The recordings you are about to hear have been declassified and released by the British Ministry of Defence. These files cover the period from 1950 to the present day and provide the first indications that we are not alone. St Ethel the Virgin Catholic School has become a victim of its own success. They have too many pupils to play in their playground and have had incidents of children being injured in the car park. As a result, they've had to warn parents not to get caught up in the heat of the moment to think of children and pull out carefully. Greenwald, and Evelyn Gastropod finds that old shoes disappear from under her bed at night and appear the following morning in the hall, completely mended. She thinks the house is haunted, but her husband thinks it's a load of cobblers. Francis Burroughs from London found a small door in his cellar that leads to a massive network of underground tunnels that he claims are populated by an advanced race of mole people who apparently live there, use oysters as currency, and have built a huge network of colour-coded train tunnels. Longburton, 1991. Are you ready, dear? I'm just putting on my walking boots. It looks like it might rain. Do you have your waterproofs? What sort of rain? Do I need waterproofs or showerproofs? Showers, I'd say. Oh, you're not wearing those. What? Trousers. Those are your going out trousers. We're going out. But not your smart trousers. You need your walking trousers. I thought we were going to the pub. So? Well, once I need my sitting down trousers. Not if we're standing around. Right. Standing around trousers, but walking boots. You could bring your sitting down shoes. Sitting down going out or sitting down staying in? Sitting down staying in. Well, that doesn't go with your going out and sitting down shirt. I could wear my staying in and standing up shirt. No, it stands out. My standing-up shirt stands out? You've never mentioned that before. Well, you don't normally go in for going out and standing up. But if I stayed in and stood up, then I've stood out. Never mind. I could wear a work shirt. But this isn't work. Well, can I not work in a work shirt? You want to wear something comfortable. Your work shirt isn't comfortable. Uncomfortable shirts are for work. I'll put on a jumper. Not your outdoor jumper. No, an indoor jumper. An indoor moving about jumper, not an indoor sitting still jumper. What sort of moving about? Moderate moving about, not jumping about. A non-jumping jumper for moderate moving about and a standing up shirt? Oh, look. The sun's come out. Shall we stay in, then? Yes, let's. And welcome to the Intergalactic Sports. And we have the first round of the tennis here on the surface of the moon. And may I tell you, it is tremendously exciting, isn't it, Terry? It is, Ronald, it certainly is. I'm sure if the thin air here were capable of carrying any sound at all, the noise from the crowd would, would be simply overwhelming. Indeed, indeed. One could almost say that there is absolutely no atmosphere here whatsoever. And here come the players. At the far end of the court from the commentary box, we can see the amazing sight of the eight-armed player from Alpha Centauri, renowned for his remarkable forehands. And equally remarkable for backhands. There was to be a robot umpire in this game, but unfortunately he's developed a double fault. And I'm just hearing, in the rugby, Earth versus the Flying Saucers, there's been a conversion. Is that two points? No, they've been converted into cyborgs. Oh, a nasty blow to the Earth team. What are the downsides of sudden death rounds, I guess? I recall when that happened in the soccer back in 54. Although on the plus side, the cyborgs do get extra fixtures and sliding tackle. Meanwhile, back at the tennis, the crowd are flapping their hands backwards and forwards in silent appreciation. For those of you watching in black and white, the nine-foot-tall, eight-armed Alpha Centurion is the one at the far end of the court. And we begin with Jenkins to serve, and he's throwing the ball up in the air, and... Uh, how high would you say that went there? Oh, I don't know. 900 feet. And how long would that take to come down, would you say? <sighs> Ten minutes. Cup of tea? Oh, not slightly. Blyton, 2002. Uh, two tickets for Curse of the Giant Curse. Oh, excuse me. 
I'd like to complain about my seat. Do you mind? I'm just serving these two people. There is no room to sit down. It does say restricted leg room on the ticket. You bought a 2D ticket. If you wanted leg room, you should have bought a 3D ticket. And there's no room to stand up. It does say restricted headroom on the ticket. And I can't see the screen. It does say restricted view. I can't see the screen at all. Well, call trading standards. It's in a cupboard. My seat is in a cupboard next to the gents' toilets. Look, you can hear the soundtrack through the wall. Thin as paper they are. We've had complaints from the neighbours. I can't hear anything. It's drowned out by the sound of... I dread to think what it's the sound of. It does say on the ticket it is suitable for the hard of hearing. But not only suitable for the hard of hearing. I just thought there would be subtitles. I can sell you a CD of the soundtrack. I didn't come out this evening to sit and listen to a CD in a cupboard. You chose it. You had a completely free choice on the computer screen when you booked your ticket. I didn't know it was in a separate room. What if I throw in an ice cream? Throw it where? I'm negotiating. Meet me halfway. I'll throw in some pick and mix. Into the ice cream? If you like. Anything you like. Although I'd steer clear of the toxic waste. There were three cases of the runs last night. Nachos? No. Soft drink? No. Are you sure? I've got three varieties of bottled water. Water is not the soft drink. It's a staple of life. What do I look like? The bloody Red Cross? Look, I just came here to see the film. I don't want an ice cream. Fine. What flavour? Any flavour you like. I don't want an ice cream. What flavour don't you want? I'll get you a different one. I don't want an ice cream at all. Look. Ice creams is where we make all our money. It really hurts me to give one away. Will it hurt you more if I stick it down your trousers? Now, there's no need to get arsy. Here, Mildred. Got a complainer. Eh? What? A complainer. Sorry, sir. She's a bit deaf. I'd like to speak to the manager. She is the manager. What? Tell you what. Pick another seat. Any seat you like. Which ones are free? None of them. What do you mean? Well, there aren't any. Pick any one you like. Completely free choice. I recommend row F. But there aren't any seats in row F. Well, there aren't any seats at all, mate. I can upgrade you to Premier. What's Premier? Foot further back and an armrest. There aren't any of them either. So why are you offering me other seats? I'll just have my money back. Will you listen to this? What? He wants his money back. He can't have it. Heard that all right, didn't you? What? Nothing. Look... You had a completely free choice. You chose to come to the cinema this evening. You chose to come to our humble cinema over all the others in the town. This is the only cinema in town. All the others are shut. You chose this film of all the films showing. You're only showing one film. We have ten screens. They're all showing the same film. It's very successful. I am not surprised. You had a choice of time. You could have come at any time. Eight, ten past eight, half past eight, quarter to nine... Five to nine? Nine oh five? I wasn't available. You could have had any seat in the auditorium. You present me with a meaningless schematic from which I have to select, based on no information whatsoever, an array of indiscriminate possibilities with absolutely no distinction between them, and no ability whatever to influence free will over anything of any consequence whatsoever. Well, what do you want then? I want a film that starts at six and a half minutes past nine, with no adverts, four trailers, none of which are for kids' films, with the actual film starting at the advertised time. An interval of ten minutes, two-thirds of the way through, in which I can go to the loo with no queuing. A ban on food in the auditorium, the seat position so that the screen exactly fills my field of view, in the exact centre of the room, with no near neighbours and the bloody cinema screen starting at the size you need it, without those annoying little curtains that cover up the sides of the screen for no reason whatsoever. Well, why didn't you say so? Just wait for the DVD, then. I will not settle for anything else. Oh, look! I can get you in row X. I'll take it. Yes, ladies, it's the 1950s, the age of the consumer. So join us at Furniture Palais for a glimpse of the latest in furniture technology. Now available for purchase either through mail order or by turning up. How about our replica American diner furniture with its welded steel frame and eye-watering colour palette? Once it's in your kitchen, you'll never want it moved. It's far too heavy. And here's the Borderline series, including this charming two-tone sideboard. With six tricky-to-open drawers to discourage burglars, it now also comes with our patented wooden slatted rolling door, which jams in not one, 
not two, but three directions at once. And if you don't have a spine, how about the Zenith Chair Range? A stylish approximation of a railway bridge reproduced in genuine wood, which can also be used for sitting on. With its high sheen finish and colourful black and white texturing, it's also great if your TV can't get the test card. Don't delay. Get down to Furniture Palais. If you can't come tomorrow, why not today? Hey, what's up? Shut up! What's up with you? You should be happy. We've been on the space station for years and we're finally under attack and are going to see some action. Have you seen how many of us there are? There are hundreds of us. And there are only three of them. It's great, isn't it? They're hopelessly outnumbered. No, you idiot. They're the plucky underdogs. What? Don't you get it? We're disposable bad guys. Haven't you noticed we're all dressed the same? With our helmets on, we're totally indistinguishable from each other. I mean, what's your name? What do you mean, what's my name? We've been working together for years. I'm guard one, of course. And I'm guard two. I always knew we were going to be friends when I discovered we had the same first name. But that's exactly it, don't you see? I mean, what sort of name is Guard, anyway? That's a lovely name. My mother liked it. Ah, there you are. Tell me about your mother. You can't, can you? We've got absolutely no backstory whatsoever. I think you're being a bit overcautious. I mean, what could possibly go wrong? Don't say that! I mean, that's the one thing you absolutely never say. Why not? It's just asking for it, isn't it? I mean... If it isn't enough that we're standing here with our vast numerical superiority all dressed in black... I like black. Doesn't it worry you that we work for an evil empire, wear long black cloaks and have a logo on our helmets which looks suspiciously like a target? Not really. We're the villains! For goodness sake! There's a guy over there in a red shirt. Where? Stay well away from him. Oh, wait here, I'll be right back. No! That's another thing you absolutely never say. You never say, I'll be right back, because it's almost certain you won't be. But I will be. I'm just going to the loo. Stay there. I mean, it's not as if anything's going to happen. Shut up. It's quiet. Too quiet. Will you stop it? But it is quiet. Nothing ever happens around here. Shut up. I mean, what could possibly go wrong? Still, at least it's not raining. I'm warning you. So you think all these other guys around here are also called guard? I'd lay good money on it. Hey, excuse me. What's your name? Guard. Really? Well, that is a coincidence. I'm called Guard. Really? Hey, excuse me, are you called Guard? No, I'm Brian. Brian, you say? Uh, Brian, do you do you have any children? Well, I do, as a matter of fact. Excellent. Brian, do you mind if we hang around with you today? No, that's no, fine. Only with someone with a backstory, we're bound to be okay. Well, strange that we haven't met before. Still not to worry. What do you mean? Well, I'm retiring tomorrow. Shit. Shit. Bedford, 1999. Joe, Joe, look at this. What is it? It's my neighbour's cat. Look at it, in their sitting room. I'm convinced it can see things that we can't. How come? They've got cable. This week on How Things Work, we're going to look at the submarine. Isn't that right, Sarah? I expect so. Sarah here is six. Six and a half! And is going to help us understand submarine. A submarine is a large boat. Six and a half! Six and a half. A submarine is a large boat, which instead of going on the water, travels under the water. It can go on the water too. Yes. And the really interesting thing is how a submarine works. Yes. But first we need to understand why a boat floats. Because it displaces water equal to its weight. Uh, yes. How did you know that? Everyone knows that. So, the force pushing up is greater than the weight pushing down. So to sink, the submarine lets in water into its tanks. So why does it sink? Because it's now denser than the water it's in. But it's the same weight as before. Yes, but now it has water it... which makes it heavier. 
But water can't be heavier than water. Uh, no, no. Uh, You're rubbish at explaining. Shall we go on to explain the submarine coming back up to the surface? This should be good. When it wants to come up again, it fills its tanks up with air. So it gets lighter again? Yes. But where did the air come from? I don't know. On board somewhere, I expect. Oh, so it was there all the time? Yes. So it always weighed the same? What? So it didn't get lighter? Uh, no. But you said it did. Did you lie? No. So how do submarines go up again? I hate you! Submarines don't work! Right, uh, next week we're going to look at freezers. Cheltenham, 2004. Hello, my name is Jane Morris. I've been sent here from A&E to see the cardiologist. Welcome to Fit Club. And what's the first rule of Fit Club? Never to talk about Fit Club. That's right. No carbs after seven. Is that a cake? I don't accept cakes. No cakes. It's a stool sample. What's wrong with carbs? What's wrong with carbs? Carbs make you fat. Or in your case, more fat. Look, like I said, I'm here to see Dr. Excess. Apart from good carbs, they release much-needed energy. You're better off with high-protein, low-GI Jane. Yes, I'm sure. But I'm having terrible chest pains, so I was sent They're up. only seeing urgent cases. Let's talk about diet. Prevention is better than cure. Lots of meat. Good protein. But not red meat, as it increases the risk of cancer and heart disease. Cheese. But not the dairy sort. Too much cholesterol. Nuts. Although be careful about allergies and anaphylaxis. Pulses. Although not too many, or you'll accelerate your kidney dysfunction. And you'll have terrible flatulence. I only really eat chicken since my heart attack. Which is why I really need to see... Chicken is great. It's only good. Apart from the stuff with the antibiotics in, best avoid that. How will I know which chicken has antibiotics in? If you're building up a resistance to penicillin, then that one. Do you drink? I might have a glass of red wine now and then. Good. Red wine is full of antioxidants. Great for the heart. Well, that... Pity about the increased risk of stroke and sclerosis of the liver. Bloody hell. What about fruit? Sugar. Sugar? Don't call me sugar. Coffee. Yes, please. Uh Uh-huh. Bad for the brain. Although, ironically, good for the brain. You decide. Tea? Lovely. Terrible. Caffeine, nightmares, constipation, herbal tea, good. We have a mantra, herbal tea, herbal tea, tastes of nothing, smells of potpourri. Like Mr Smith over there. What's wrong with him? He's trying a new aromatherapy course to treat his brain tumour. How's he getting on? Oh, he died last Tuesday, but it's cheaper than an airwick. Yes, dietary advice. Like Gordon Gecko said, green is good. Greed is good. It most certainly is not. And why would a gecko say that? I don't think he was really a gecko. It's all good. Name a green thing. Avocados. Oh no, bad. Fat. Lime jelly. That's not natural. Think of good natural foods. Steak. Bloody hell. Eggs. Salmonella. Asparagus. Makes you wee smell Look, funny. I just need to see the doctor. You need to avoid triggers. It's really important that you don't get stressed. Are you feeling stressed? It's really important that you don't get stressed. Are you feeling stressed? It's really important you don't get stressed. Perhaps our self-help films might better suit your needs. Films? Yes, we've made a series of DVDs to help clients outside Fit Club. For example, these two are about helping clients with alternative therapies in their own home. This is Homeopathy Alone and Homeopathy Alone 2. And this one is for clients considering colonic irrigation at bedtime. Sleeping with the enema? Well, you can stick that up your... Yes, that's right. Or die hard. What's that for? For the terminally ill who want to go out with a bang, we just prescribe a course of Viagra. For Christ's sake, will you just tell me where the bloody cardiologist is before I have another... heart attack? Dr. Excess? Yes. Oh, he's moved down the corridor to the moderation clinic. You'll find everything in moderation in moderation, of course. What? In moderation. You'll find everything in moderation there. Apart from Dr. Excess, he's the only thing not in moderation in moderation. Being excess. Just our little joke, you see? Oh, I think I'm having an attack. Oh, don't worry. This happens a lot. I'll call the emergency line. And thank you for the cake. Enjoy. Roger Horse writes to us to pass on his tips on graphology. We'd like to share them, but unfortunately we can't decipher his handwriting. 
Gregory August tells us a tale of his haunted house. He believes it is possessed by the ghost of a previous central heating system, which bangs on the pipes in the middle of the night and is responsible for sudden chills. This week's talk was to be held by Anthony Barndor on the subject of psychic surgery, of which he is a practitioner. This is the ability to extract items through apparently solid matter with the hands without leaving a mark. Unfortunately, he's had to cancel because he's locked his keys in his car. And welcome back to the Intergalactic Sports. Lately, we've got athletics and long-distance running from Earth to the Moon and tug-of-war of the worlds. Meanwhile, we're back here at the Lunar Tennis. And the ball is just returning to within Jenkins' arm length and he's given it quite a smash. Um, we've been asked not to use that term any longer by the Martians. That's going to be tough to return. Can we get a speed reading on that? Hang on. Yes, yes, I've, I've got one. What is it? That's it. One mile an hour. Look at it go. And go. And go. Has it hit the net? No. I think it may have hit the line. I saw some dust. No. I think that's just moon dust. <laughs> just one of the many disadvantages of playing tennis on the moon, of course. But now over to Jupiter for the athletics. Thank you, Terry. And you've joined us at the high jump at a very exciting time. We think we might have equaled the previous world record of not leaving the surface of the planet at all. And we've got some adjudicators in with tape measures. And, and yes, they've confirmed. Peter Briscoe has not left the surface of the planet in any way, equaling the previous record. And a new personal best. And now over to the International Space Station, where they're trying to gather enough water in one place for the diving. After the accident, the next thing I knew was that there was this long, dark tunnel and at the end was a bright light. And I walked down the tunnel and as I got nearer the end, I saw this man. He had uh, white hair and a long, flowing beard and he, he said to me, Turn back, you shall not pass. And a lot of things in my life fell into place at that point. A lot of things changed because I realised that Gandalf was real. Hello. Is that industrial sleight of hand? It is. Hi, it's Mike from the Church of Scientographology. Look, I need your help. I've got this guy in a medically induced coma, long story, who we're trying to imbue with a sense of meaning in his life, and I need you to set up a near-death experience for him. Again? Yes, you know, just like last time, the full works. Seeing into this unreal, weirdly perfect world... Seeing people who you thought were dead and then being dragged back into your own body, feeling like you must make up for lost time. Like watching the Oscars. OK. Does this guy believe in anything specific? Not really. Other than a belief that his life is secretly being manipulated by some sinister organisation. Which is inexplicable, really. So, you know, just round up a few lookalikes of friends and family. Do you still have that guy who looks a bit like Jesus? No, I'm sorry. He was just on sabbatical from the Muslim Society. Oh, never mind. Although my partner is a little portly, with a long white beard and white hair. Oh, he sounds perfect. She. Oh, my mistake. She has a job as a store Santa at weekends, but I can get her to phone in sick. Great. So can you get things together... And do you still have access to the long, dark tunnel that comes out in the beautiful countryside? No. They granted planning permission for a cement works. But there is an underpass under the M6 in Birmingham. Oh, we'll take it. Now, we'd like to create an environment of unconditional love and acceptance that's often reported. A kind of universal invitation, common to all, and yet somehow exclusive to them. 
Can you do that? Yes, that's fine. We'll offer them an American Express card. We noticed that you didn't reply to our invitation to join us down at Furniture Palais. This is a polite and non-threatening reminder. Impractical and dangerous? Try our glass top tables. Do you like to see your knees while eating? I can't believe I managed without. Never lose your cat behind troublesome opaque furniture again. Turn your home into a high-risk panopticon with our challenging range of transparent and fragile furniture. Come and see it for yourself. Here's our carbuncle range, guaranteed to draw attention away from badly fitted carpets or shoddy decorating. Available in a selection of low-quality wood composites. Mind your tights on those corners, ladies. What? We still don't have what you're looking for? Well, hang on there just a minute, mister. With our modular range, now you can build your own furniture easily as a child can build with sharp, spinter-filled toy blocks. You can combine parts together yourself, regardless of whether it makes any logical sense. Want a combination washstand and pastry rack? You got it. Want a television stand with a slot for a towel? You got it. Want a wooden cow that shit shoe polish? You got it. So, come down to Furniture Palais, see the future here today. There's a closing down sale until the end of May. Rice Lip, 1983. So as I say, you mustn't be too disappointed if you don't find anything on your first time out. How do we turn it on? It's the little knob on the side there. So, with metal detecting, it's all about patience. I've been up and down this field, up and down. It could be several hours. I think Ian's got some before you find anything at all. Oh, oh, okay. Let's let's have a look. I don't expect it's anything too significant. I've been going over this field for twenty years with a metal detector, backwards and forwards, backwards and forwards, year in, year out. It looks like some sort of cauldron. It's very rare to find anything. An ancient cauldron. All rusty. Oh, well, never mind. Like you say, you can't expect too much on your first trip out. It's got something in it. Okay, it's probably just full of earth. I think they're coins. Do you think they're worth anything? Um, no, I I shouldn't think so. Like I said, anything of any value. Corosius. Let me see. He was a Roman emperor in the 3rd century AD. These are very rare. I've got something. Uh, just just a moment. Definitely something here. I expect it's just a horseshoe if, if you push the earth back. It looks like a gold angel. Uh, th- look, there are two of them. I think they're mounted on some kind of box. Should we pull it out? Uh, probably better not. Oh, here it is. There. How would you describe that then? It's beautiful. Kind of large gold chest. About four feet long. Holes for carrying poles. Ornate metalwork. Looks pretty old. Shall we look inside? Uh, probably better Ooh. not. You're right. Just some old stone tablets. Could it be? I've got something else over here. <gasps> Looks like some kind of spire. Perhaps the top of a much larger building? Oh, well, the metal detector won't pick up on stone. Look, the stone's covered in some kind of metal. It looks like circuitry. Oh, yes. Almost like an ancient undiscovered civilization has mastered the secrets of electricity long before we came onto the planet and built cities of staggering complexity right beneath this very field. Oh, no, look. Is that the time? What? Oh, yeah. Sorry, we need to get back. See you around, then. Okay, yeah. So, uh, what what did you think, then, of your first day doing metal detecting? Uh, will you do it again? Well... Probably not. Sorry to disappoint you. Yeah. Like you said... It was pretty boring. Ladies and gentlemen, it's become clear during this film that there is in fact a planet heading directly for us, and it's going to wipe out all life on Earth. 
Now, we've frankly wasted the first act in denial, but it's now time to pull out our fingers and build a really massive spaceship to take us to the stars. Question, won't the stars be rather hot? Good point. Perhaps we'll aim for some planets. So, we need a spacecraft to save mankind. A modern-day Noah's Ark. So let's talk logistics. So, just be clear, we're talking animals. Pairs of animals? I've been looking over the literature and there seems to be some confusion over the exact terms of embarkation, as the animals go in two by two implies that there are four of each animal rather than two. And the doors need to be extra wide to take two of each in simultaneously. And there are some doubts that a wooden boat would make it out of orbit. Now, let's not be over-literal here. We should be representing the key skills necessary to keep humanity alive on the new planet, and not animals. Are you saying we're sending... robots? No. Humans. Admittedly, we are animals too, but for the sake of time, let's not be too pedantic here. Yes. Now, we've also identified the key people for humanity to survive based on their contribution to society. Excellent. How did you measure this? Salary. So far, we have two footballers, two bankers, two rock stars, two producers of musicals, the man who writes those thrillers you only see at airports, that bloke off the vampire films, and that bloke off the wizard films. I see. I should point out that owing to salary inequality, they are all men. And is that a problem? Only that if they go the wrong way, they won't stop to ask for directions. But what about reading? Oh, they've all been to public schools. Excellent. Ah, life on the open water. Joan, what's happened to that brew? Here you go, Dennis, love. Just the way you like it, milk with seven. Ah, champion. I've made some rock buns too, only I don't find it easy to bake on the narrowboat stove. You don't find it easy to bake anywhere. What was that, love? I said you make pleasing cake anywhere, my love. Ah, thanks, love. Mmm. What gives them their unusual flavour? Sumac. Sue Sumac. The woman in the shop said it were one of 35 species of flowering plants in the family, and a Cardacea. I were after baking powder, but it were all they had. Well, did you find Yorkshire tea, then? I bought them from home in a little bag. I wouldn't drink foreign tea for all the tea in China. Well, they're certainly exotic, I'll give them that. Ah, thanks, love. Like typhoid. What was that, pet? Uh, To try them is a joy, my sweet, to try them is a joy. Ah, you are lovely. Have you worked out where we are yet? No, I can't make Edna Taylor this here map. It's like it's in a foreign language. It is, love. Hey. In a foreign language. I thought originally it were Damari, but then I was certain it was no bid. But on closer inspection, I think it might be standard literary Egyptian Arabic. Really? I thought it was just because we bought it in that London. Oh, you are funny. Isn't it peaceful here? Ah, champion. Now bring her in, John, so we can get some instructions. Now, my man, we are trying to find... Are you an Arabic? Can you read this map? You set an imbecile. What does he say? Something about a seal, I think. Jones, it is one of yours. Hello there, you chaps. I'm not sure what's brought you to these parts, but, uh, well, the timing isn't great. Oh, don't mind us, son. We're just on as holidays. On holiday? We can't have a holiday here. Why ever not? Well, two reasons, actually. One, it's 1956, and two, this is the Suez Canal. And? Or have you not read the newspapers? Are you not aware that this is a turning point in Britain's military history, which will subsequently be identified by historians as the point at which Britain began its decline as a military power? Come again, love. There's a war on. Oh, we know that, son. It's just that since I've retired, I've taken old Bessie up every junction. Bessie is your wife? Bessie is a canal boat. Did you know there's more than 3,000 miles of navigable walkways in the UK? And we've been up and down them all. 
the Grand Union, the Manchester Ship Canal, Macclesfield, Utoxeter, Basingstoke, the lot. The only thing is, after a while, it gets sort of... Boring. Boring? Aye, boring. So, you know, we thought we'd spice it up a bit. Why have you come here? It's an unimaginable hellhole. It's bad enough that we have to fight on the same side as the French, but the climate is awful, the flies are terrible, the food is worse than the flies, and the water is undrinkable. The tea is all right, though. The whole place reeks of a backed-up latrine. It's impossible to tell the women from the men. There is a statistically higher-than-average likelihood of premature and violent death, and the locals have no sense of humour whatsoever. We've obviously never had a holiday in Manchester. Look, you really must go home. Sir, mortifier at six o'clock. We've been told to move to the next checkpoint, sir. Uh, Understood. Remember, go home. Oh, and one more thing. Watch out for landmines. The whole place is littered with them. Oh dear, what a shame. He seemed like such a nice boy. Aye. Come on, John, what's for tea? Moussaka. Only I couldn't get any mousse, so I've made it with chicken. Champion. So the next time you're passed over for promotion, pulled over for speeding, or your car has Clean Me written on it in the dirt, remember that we are not alone. We Are Not Alone was written by John Thrower and Andrew Fletcher and performed by them with Matt Nation, Lisa Walsh, Lucy Brownhill, Tim Hounsom and Verity Neves. It was produced by John and Lisa Thrower and edited by Nathan Rowe. For a full list of credits and more information about the show, visit our website at www.wearenotalone.co.uk 